360 degrees. High high, 360 degrees. High high, 306, 306, 360 degrees. High high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of graduates for the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huching, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Yes, on tonight's show, we will speak with Erica Pang about meaningful communication and how to acquire and practice deep listening skills. And myself, Prebill and Franklin, will speak with Mako Vio, Indigenous Land Defender. Tonight, conversations about how we can heal going forward. I'm Joy Moore with Freewill and Franklin. Keep it locked right here on 94.1 KPFA. Yes, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I am Freewell and Franklin here with Joy Moore. We are graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, and we are your hosts tonight. And our first guest, Erica Pang, is helping leaders and teams build trust and create possibility during this time of such uncertainty, fear, and upheaval, making one meaningful connection at a time. Last week, I sat down with Erica, where she demonstrated her deep listening practice. Okay, welcome back. Full circle here. This is Joy Moore, and I've been joined by wonderful guest, Erica Pang. And she and I are going to talk about Connect Across the Divide and an experience that we share. And I wanted to just talk a little bit about how um, Erica's work has influenced me uh, and what's going on and why I thought it was so important to bring her back. She was on the show a month or so ago, and it was so interesting, so informing, um, we decided to have another go. So this is a second go around with Erica Pang, talking about Connect Across Divides. And so recently, um, my personal experience, I've been having difficulty um, maintaining my weight. Um, My appetite left, my smell, sense of smell, left me, my sense of taste deserted me, and I've been really struggling with this. And it just so happens that 
Erica and I have been friends for 20 years. And when I first met her, I was in a serious health crisis then. And she helped me uh, with something called co-counseling. And there I learned a little bit about communication with myself. I learned uh, about my emotions and how to deal with them and how to live with them. A lot of things I learned from that experience. But fast forward to the present day, and I reconnected with Erica, and I talked a little bit about where I was. And she said, why don't we talk about this experience that we're having called Connect Across Divides? And I joined a session. And what happened was, first, for me, I went back through 20 years of memories with Erica and the work that we did before. And also, it um, gave me a chance to rediscover my own resilience, my own knowledge, my own ability that I already had within myself, I had just forgotten. At least that's what I feel. Um, I had come across a challenge that was difficult for me to understand. It was scary, um, and I didn't know what to do. And these sessions that I've been having and some of the other work that's been going on with me, but especially the Connect Across the Divides experience has really changed how um, I'm walking through the world right now. And I know I'm out of balance now. And one of the things that happened through this session, I just want to share, and I don't want to talk too long because I really want to give this over to Erica and how she does what she does and why she does what she does. But um, in this time we live in now with the upheaval and the um, agitation and anger um, about the policing policy in this country. Because I want to make sure we don't just say the police. It's the policy, the culture, the governing of our country that we're really talking about. How are we allowing ourselves to be policed? These issues have been going on all of my life. Every African-American probably who've been here before the 50s have always dealt with this in some form or another. But going through this work, going through these sessions, I was able to go all the way back to a memory, a trauma when I was four years old, having to do with the police, a policeman in particular. And uh, we, I lived in Harlem. I was young, and we used to go to the park. And my father was in the Army at the time. And when he came home, he'd have his uniform on. And that's how I recognized my dad, by the uniform. And of course, I could only see up to his knees. I was only four years old. But I recognized, oh, I thought anyone who had a uniform was my dad. And one day we were in a park and there was a, a policeman, a European-American policeman who was walking up. To, and for some reason, I mistook him for my dad. And my mom was laughing. She said, no, that's not your dad. And I ran up to him. I hugged him in the leg. And he pushed me away with his nightstick and said, get out of here, nigga. I'm not your dad. And I was, I can't even remember how I felt. I just know it hurt so much. I was crying. It was a very traumatic experience that had stuck with me for a long, 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 long time. And I realized then that was the very beginning of my connection and relationship to policing. 
and I took uh, some counseling sessions, a lot of therapy I've been in now and seeing that there's some trauma that I'm reliving from 66 years ago when I was four years old that's coming up now and somewhere, somehow in my body, I become unbalanced. And I think it has to do partially with that memory. Now, I'm not saying all this happened because we had a session we connect across the divides. I'm saying a space opened up in me to deal with the health issue I'm facing right now. And I'm giving a lot of that credit to the work that I've been doing with Erica. And I wanted to take this opportunity to, to introduce Erica Payne. Thank you, Erica. Oh, Joy. I, I'm just warms my heart to hear... Um, how some of the things, the approaches or practices that have made a difference in my life, um, how they're making a difference for you and how they have. And it pretty much sums up what I do. People are complicated, emotions are very messy and human relationships are hard. And none of us or very few of us actually really learned skills in school or life and how to navigate emotions and relationship dynamics. And I was one of those people. So what I teach now um, and what I share are, are really things that I've had to seek out over a maybe 30 plus year period for myself. So again, I'm, I'm so glad um, that these things are making a difference for you. I teach a course at UC Berkeley Haas Business School. It's called Interpersonal Skills and Embodied Leadership. It's one of the most in-demand courses of the graduate MBA program. And I also founded Erica Penn Connects. And I coach and partner with leaders and leadership teams and organizations. I really guide people and leaders through navigating emotional reactivity, uncertainty, misunderstanding, conflict, all these things that undermine us all day long and really get in the way of our our goals and our intentions in our personal lives in our work lives so i i teach people knowledge the nervous system how how what's happening inside our body when we're getting reactive and how that undermines us um, practices and tools for how we can work our way through those moments on our own and also with each other ultimately so we can harness our potential and our creativity and get on together with collaborating on the, the important goals that we have, you know, for our lives and our, our work. So I'll just, maybe I'll just pause there. Yeah. And I'm have to tell you, I don't want to make this all about me, but I realized I was so in such a unknown space. Just, I don't know how many of you know me, but my life is food, growing food, learning about food, cooking food, sharing food, teaching kids how to coax mustard greens out of the ground. This is my life. This is what I live for. It's what I get up every day. And to lose that desire, it was killing me. Mm. It just went away. And yes, I went to the doctor. Yes, I had all the medical tests. And yes, I'm getting counseling and therapy. And I'm not saying I even have the answer. I'm only saying I'm looking at this in a whole nother way because of our experience together. That I'm thinking of myself as a whole being. 
that if my feet are hurting or my knees are, are swelling, you know, my body is out of balance, my whole body. There's something going on and I need to check. And I'm learning so much about myself. Mm. You know, I took my body and my energy and for granted. I, I I took my brain for granted, my ability to remember and know and do things. I took it for granted. I went to sleep. I got up. I ate. I worked. There was never a question of me not being able to eat or function or work. Yeah. And it just hit me that it is possible. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> yeah. But having someone to guide me and talk about the complex feelings. How do I feel? What am I doing with it? And I can't even explain what happened, Erica. You know, it just happened. I opened up and watershed. I feel better. Mm -hmm. I think a little more clearly now. I look forward to our sessions. And I think it's so important that, that we're not taught about emotions. We're not taught about ourselves, our body. And mm. we're all learning how to communicate with others. Well, you know what I'm trying to learn? How to communicate with me. <laughs> That's right. Honestly, openly, in a way that will allow me to connect with others in the same way. And I want to thank you again for that. Mm. So tell us how you came to this. I mean, give us an example. I mean, I know... You, you, you're just a, a very intelligent, compassionate person, just in case. Also, we both went to the same program, the Center for Agroecology and Food Systems Project in UC Santa Cruz at different times. But a lot of the basic things that I'm reminding myself of that I already have within me came from that work as well, connecting to the earth, being part mm. of one, all of those things. But let's talk about how you got to this. Sure, Joy. Um, well, let me back up and let me just say, you know, we, we as humans, we're social beings, we're mammals. So we need connection, physical, emotional, psychological connection to survive. Um, but beyond survival, we long for belonging. Like when our experience and reality are validated and we feel understood, we feel affirmed and acknowledged and supported in our experience. Um, we thrive. It calms us down. We feel safety. Um, we're, that's what builds connection. So we're, we're wired to, to need this and thrive on this and, and seek it. And the problem is, in the United States, we're in a culture that really doesn't um, teach us the skills um, many of them are intuitive, but there are many things about the context of this culture that um, that undermine this. So let me give you a couple examples because um, we're talking about connection. We this this country is uh, a hyper individualistic culture, and so um, many of us are, even though we may have physical contact and relationship we are often isolated in our emotional experience. So for example, uh, we went to school, we were trained a, a certain way to listen. And we were trained to listen for the benefit of ourself as an individual. I was taught to listen to the teacher to get the right information so I could do well on the test, so I could get a better grade. So I could ask a smart question, so I could get ahead, so I could get promoted. You know, it's very much 
me, me, me for my benefit. And, you know, this was an unconscious process, but this is the context of um, our life and our educational system. So um, we're not taught to listen to connect and build relationship. We're taught to listen for individual gain, um, which is also shaped by uh, this capitalist system that we're in, right? Which prioritizes outcome and results and profit over connection and relationships. So we're taught to listen to be efficient in order to get the task done, not to, again, you know, build build trust and safety. So what you're talking about, what was so powerful for you, is to be in an experience of listening. That's a very different way of listening. It's not listening for the benefit of of myself, the listener, it's listening for the benefit of, of you, the person that I'm listening to, to, to support you, to validate you, whatever your experience is. And it sounds simple and we, we think we know how to listen, but we, we really, we don't know how to listen in that way where we're putting our own individual reactions or beliefs or thoughts aside for just a moment to truly, you know, witness and be with another person so they feel fully, fully supported. So I think that's the breakdown of how I design some of my learning experiences or, or sessions you, you referred to. And I, I think that's my breakdown of, of what you experienced and why it was so powerful for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of happened. And that's the other thing too. A lot of the things that we do, as I said, we take for granted, they just come. One of the um, things I have to worry about or, or, or concern myself with regaining my balance is not carrying or putting any weight behind the stigma of not sharing our feelings. You know, the English and the British are all this stiff upper lip, and that's the culture foundation for a lot of the things that we do here. But, now, you know, Americans are a little more open with their feelings. But generally, a lot of times, and in my family too, it was, oh, well, don't be crying. You know, stop that crying stuff. Mm. Buck up. You know, square them shoulders back and get back on it. You fall off the horse, get back on the horse. Right? Not about how do you feel and what can we do and what are you going to do with that feeling and have you had that feeling before? I mean, anything like that. It was about don't have them or if you do, keep them inside. <laughs> and right. I'm saying that's no way to deal with it because those feelings come unbidden. I didn't sit around and say, I just, I just want to feel bad, make me feel. What can I do to make myself feel bad? No, the feelings come from our experiences, from our life, from our health status from our habits wherever the feelings come from they're our own and so i i have to come to grips with that i can't blame anybody else for my feelings my experiences i can blame or another if i want want to but how i feel about a thing and how i experience and what i do with that feeling that's all me that's what i'm learning anyway at least that's what i think right now which does change too so we are here this is full circle i'm joy moore I am so, so honored and pleased to be joined by Erica Pang from Erica Connects. And we're talking about feelings, humanness, 
connections. What does that mean? How does that work? Where does it come from? How do we um, how do we build connections with people? Genuine listening skills that, as Erica is referring to, don't involve ourselves so much as the other person we're listening to. Their ears are an instrument that are used to connect with something, someone else. We talk to ourselves. We don't use our ears when we talk to ourselves. But our ears are used when we talk to others. And so I'm learning a lot about myself, and I'm learning a lot about other people too. So I want to thank Erica for being here. So when we talk about um, learning, what are some of the things that you're having um, the leaders and the people that you're help, um, helping empower with these sessions? What are the some of the things that you're actually doing? Yeah, that's such an important question. How do we actually learn this? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I'll say is um, it requires practice. So many people know how to drive a car. Did anybody learn how to drive a car by reading a book or by talking about how to drive a car or just listening to other people describe how they drive a car, right? Or, or even like a simulated video game, right? It, it just, at some point, you've got to get in the car, a real car. <laughs> and right. even if it's a parking lot, that's okay. But, you know, you, you just got to go through the motions and you, you have to start, you know, you have to start where your level is and you, you slowly build up over time. You can't just be plopped down in the middle of a highway for the very first time and, you know, freak out. But the problem is our lives are about relationships with ourselves, with other people, with our bigger system of nature, the world. But most of us spent more hours being taught how to drive a car than how to navigate this rocky internal terrain of emotions and relationship dynamics, right? And then, of course, layer on stress inevitable life crisis and upheaval. And here we are today. This is the world we're in. And I don't know why people don't really connect the dots that we actually need practice. These, these require skills and awareness. So what I do, um, whether I'm teaching a class or a workshop or coaching leaders or a, a leadership team, is I really break it down. There's, there's really multiple complex steps, even just for listening. Let's just say listening, because that's what we're talking about. And listening in the way where a person does feel validated, as you describe, is, is so um, critical to uh, not only being in connection with each other, but for a person to feel whole, safe, validated, uh, a sense of self-esteem and worthiness. Um, but it sounds so simple, like, oh, just, just listen, just listen to each other. So let me, let me just break down a, a few things to show how complex it actually is, because um, it takes hours of practice. And of the hundreds of people that I've worked with, MBA students, leaders, not one of them has really known how to listen in this way. And they've been blown away by how difficult it is and how much practice it takes. Um, and yet with practice, it's, it's very possible. So for one, we're constantly reacting, like you, you talked about, right? We're constantly having emotions. And when you say something, I'm having a reaction. 
but to really be present with you, be with you and witness your experience, it can't be about my reaction. So one skill, a basic skill is I need to be aware of my reaction and not have it take over. And I need to be able to like manage that within my own nervous system, calm myself down, like, you know, within a few seconds, right, to be with you and not suppress what I'm feeling, but just manage it, put it aside for a moment. There it is. But here I am focused on joy, supporting joy, which also helps me calm down, like just even focus on you, focusing on you and, and supporting you. Um, so that's one step. But Again, it sounds like no big deal, but it takes a lot of work. Um, the second skill, the second step that's a part of listening is we've been taught to focus and hear people's words and the content of what they're saying. But like you said, when people are talking, communicating, it's usually laden with feelings and emotions but we have not been trained to really notice or pick up or respond to how people are feeling necessarily. So I'll give you a simple example. Let's say you're sharing something and you're, you're feeling fairly vulnerable about it, but you're telling me the story of a situation, say with, with a family or a friend. From my education in life, I've been trained to, to really kind of focus on the words and the story. So I might start peppering you with all these questions like, oh, where did that happen? And, you know, where did you go after that? And completely miss that what you shared with me was actually a bit vulnerable. But if I'm able to, to notice and, and feel into how you're feeling and, and really connect with you around that as a starting point, then we're emotionally connected. We can talk about elements of the story, but right. you you feel me with you. Right. Does that make sense? It does. And that's part of what I was saying that I don't know what happened was when when we had our first session, I was saying, you know, doing exactly what you said. Like, well, how is this helping me? And all these other things, me, me, me. And then um, somewhere in there, I realized, I mean, I'm, it didn't happen right away, but I realized that I was not focused on the person I was supposed to be listening to. <laughs> I was focusing on me. Right. Sad, and I don't even know how or where it happened. But when when I tried to grab back my focus on it, it took a while, but I kept coming back. I kept coming back and trying not to react. And the other part of this for me, Erica, even though you haven't mentioned it, is there's a deeper emotional connection between people without any words that we don't even recognize or understand. That's when right. you see someone, you smell someone, you touch someone, you breathe the same air with them. All of those things are connecting us. That's what look at COVID. Now we can't even breathe the same air. We're trying to keep breath from each other. So there's a connection that happens with us emotionally on a spiritual level or a deeper level that we're even aware of. And then when you try to come in touch with that, at least that's what I think was happening. When I try to come in touch with that. Then I know that um, I'm not focusing on me, but I'm actually listening to that person. And that person can feel me. Even if I close my eyes, even if I turn my head away, the connection that we I made deeper on a deeper level can still be felt 
and experience. That's what I think. That's what I feel. Absolutely. So maybe, you know, I want to just take what you said to, to end on, you know, a hopeful note, because it's true, we, we haven't learned many of these skills, and they take a lot of practice, but we're also really hardwired to connect. And a lot of these skills are really about quieting our own reactivity and unconsciousness. And once we're able to do that, then we can really be with each other. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. The things that you describe and the hundreds of people I've worked with, with just some practice, some guidance, some structure, which is what, what I do when I teach people, beautiful connection happens, deep connection within minutes. Yes. So um, this is what I do, um, offer these sessions to people to, to begin teaching these skills that we should have learned in school. We needed to learn in school and life, but we, but we haven't. Um, and it, it is very structured practices, frameworks, practices um, yes. that, are, that are pretty uplifting. And, I love um, it. There's music, there's movement and practice, and I love it. I highly recommended it. We're running out of time, unfortunately. I'm getting so emotional now because I'm experiencing so many deep things. Erica, tell people how they can get in touch with you and, and further if they want to get any more information about this. Sure. Um, you can go to my website. It's ericapengconnects.com, E-R-I-C-A-P-E-N-G, connects.com. And if you scroll down, you can find information about these listening sessions called Connect Across Divides. And they happen once a month. And we'd love to have you join us. And you'll probably see joy there. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really thank you. My gratitude, much gratitude for the work you do, for joining us, for being open and willing to share. I highly recommend it. This is hard times for all of us. Communication and connection is so important now where we have this social distancing things going on. Please, please check Erica out. I want to thank you again, Erica. This is Joy Moore for Full Circle. Stay tuned. We got some more coming up. Yes. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone. That song you just heard was a favorite of mine. We Are One by Frankie Beverly and Mays. And before that, you heard my conversation with Erica Pang, where we shared a few minutes of what can happen in practice connection sessions. Thanks again, Erica. Next, Free Will and Franklin shares a conversation he had recently with Mako Vio, environmental activists. Frank? Yes, thank you, Joy. I know you've been wanting to feature Erica and share her work connecting across divides, so I'm glad you got the chance to bring her back on Full Circle. 
And I want to remind everyone out there listening that you can find links to all Erica's work on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just a little after the show tonight. And again, thank you, Joy. Of course, it's always good to hear your voice on the airwaves. And next, like you said, we are going to hear from a man on a mission, Mako Vio. Mako is passionate about defending the land, animals, and water. He's basically a warrior for the planet Earth. I spoke with Mako last week about some of the causes that he's currently fighting for. All right, this is Free Will and Franklin reporting for KPFA Radio, and I'm now joined by my guest for this evening, uh, Mako Vio. He's been out kind of um, just roaming the area and doing what he can to uh, fight for the earth, for the animals, um, for our existence. Uh, Mako, briefly tell us about yourself, who you are, your tribal affiliation, and also tell us about your drive uh, to fight for the health of our earth and its animal inhabitants. Um, I am Potawatomi, Dakota, Blackfeet, and I live in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm, I'm the head of several indigenous organizations under one label is Elahi Spirit Runners, and I have a blog that people can check out under that same name. Elahi is the true name of the land. It's a Chinookan word that's used up here that literally means the land. Can you uh, spell that out for people real quick, and then I'll also have a link to that later, but spell that out for us. Yeah, it's I-L-L-A-H-E-E. Elahi. Elahi Spirit Runners at WordPress.com or Elahi Spirit Runners uh, TravelBlog.com. All right. So we'll be sure to post a link to that to our website after the show. And we're going to cover a couple of different topics tonight, but let's start with what you've been doing at Thacker Pass. Now, that's uh, Thacker Pass, Nevada. And there is a new lithium mine. I guess this is scheduled to open in 2022 and expand to double its capacity in 2026. And lithium has been in high demand for batteries, especially electric vehicles. And just real quick from a January 2021 article in the Nevada Independent, um, the outgoing Trump administration gave the final approval to the Thacker Pass mine also, Ironeer, an Australian-based company, is moving forward with permitting a project known as the Rhyolite Ridge near Tonopah, uh, Tonopah, and even Tesla, which is manufacturing electric vehicles outside of Reno, said it secured rights to mine lithium in Nevada. So, Mako, can you... Tell us more about the project at Thacker Pass and what you're doing to try to bring some awareness to the situation. Yeah, like you just described there, there's this colonial culture of mining that's been thrust on the indigenous peoples against their will. And um, it's, you know, now it's, an extension of Indian removal that 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 they're being further terrorized and um, harassed for their resources. 
um, brought to my attention that the Western Shoshone needed security about a year and a half ago. And um, I'm like studying the situation and, and they know that it's happening because people want their resources. Turns out that the Western Shoshone is the only tribe that the United Nations has warned the United States to back off of them because of human rights violations. So that's why this level of terrorism is going on. And it took me a while to figure that out. Also, I researched where in the 70s, um, Shoshone horses were removed from an area um, uh, and later found gold there. Well, I think they knew there was gold there all along. So there's this culture of mining and exploitation. But it's resulting in uh, missing and murdered indigenous people situations. Um, you know, particularly at Sacker Pass is, um, you know, loss of habitat, golden eagle habitat. There's indigenous foods there. Um you know, and that the water, they say, by their own reports, will be toxic for 300 years. I talked to land defenders up north of the so-called Canadian border that fought the Mount Pauly mine, and they said, in actuality, it will be toxic forever, you know. Yeah, I think uh, mining has a way of um, mining, fracking, all that seems to have a way of destroying uh, water, of course, habitat, and just being a, a hazard to the environment. Well, um, tell our listeners um, what you've been trying to do to rally any support. Um, judging from your Facebook post, it's been hard really to get a grip on what's happening at Thatcher Pass and to get... Um, some real people power to support what's going on. And I understand just by doing some reading that this has already been approved. And so is this going to move forward? Are you looking for a mass movement? Um, what are you trying to do about this? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Um, looking for people to stand in the way of it. And specifically, um, I was there for a, a month in January, February, and then I, or uh, two weeks in January, February, and then I went back for a month, and I'm getting ready to go back for another month, um, you know, far away from my home uh, to get on the front lines here. And I'm reaching out to the alliances of the American Indian Movement from the 1970s because my grandfather was a senior member of the Indian American Indian movement under Dennis Banks to the Black Panthers and the Brown Berets to honor our alliances from the 1970s and caravan out to Thacker Pass. I'm asking for the motorcycle club, Red Rum, to come, as well as the Crazy Indian Brotherhood. We're asking for every single one of the indigenous warrior societies to respond. You know, we need everybody from the front lines to the chow lines. We need highly disciplined people that know 
resistance culture and ready to follow directions, set up a more disciplined camp, American Indian movement presence. And, um, you know, we're going to have like an archery tournament and <clears throat> some other things to try to get warriors to respond. Um, we're going to be teaching martial arts and initiating a community defense program. And you mentioned uh, the Western Shoshone people. So is this their territory? And if so, um, what has been your uh, result of reaching out to um, tribal members there? Are they willing to participate? Are they trying to help and encourage you? Are you stuck um, not getting support? What's happening with the um, the local um, tribal people that that is their land? Uh, it's a... Uh... A mixed response. Um, first of all, it's kind of um, an area where multiple tribes have moved throughout um, from from the the Fort, Fort Hall Shoshone, uh, Pai, Paiute, uh, many bands of Paiute, um, Goshute, and um, also the Western Shoshone that was talked about. So I already had connections with the Western Shoshone um, prior to this and since have gained um, more connections from the closer Fort McDermott tribe. Um, but response is mixed. Response is always mixed because of colonization. And indigenous people will never reach a consensus so, you know, my advice is to listen to those ones that want to defend the land because the colonized native has been the enemy of the traditional since colonists first set foot here. And we have indigenous folks that are in favor of the mine. We have indigenous folks who maybe just aren't as experienced politically and are reluctant to take a firm stance. Um, we have some natives that are scared. That's why we're setting up the defense program. So it was a resistance leader, a Lakota woman in the north who um, fought against um, illegal alcohol posts that were set up to destroy the Lakota warrior spirit. And she taught me when I was up there doing some stuff for, for those people fighting the alcohol she taught me sometimes you have to defend the people whether they want you to or not okay you so, know yeah so it's been a little mixed bag all right um i understand it gets like that sometimes because people need money to survive and sometimes they're in poor conditions and they get that offer and it can yep. be tough or it's just that um you know the willingness to work together you know, it, it just gets tough after so long. And speaking to the jobs issue really quick, a lot of those jobs at this point are going to be automated. They have automated um, autonomous dump trucks that can work 24 hours. Yeah, the future automation. Well, we are um, getting about to our halfway point. I know you wanted to discuss this. So can people uh, discuss more um, some other topics can people yeah, follow uh, this work uh, also 
on your Spirit Runner page? Outstanding. Elahi Spirit Runners at travelblog.com, or you can find Elahi Spirit Runners on Facebook. Great, and we will have a a link posted on our website after the show. Okay, so other stuff that you have been working on. Um... Right, so there's the um, biosolids, which is sewage, but not just sewage. It's mixed with industrial and medical waste, and it's being uh, sold as a cheap fertilizer by the EPA. It's kind of peculiar. People think of the EPA as, you know, what the title suggests, uh, protecting the environment, um, but not so much. In this case, it looks like they're trying to use science, <clears throat> which in my opinion, science is for sale these days. It, it'll just go to whoever is the highest bidder. So they're using science to try to figure out how much abuse this river can take. Um, how much of a load of these biosolids. And remind us um, what the name of this river is and where it's located. Right. This is going to be the Siletz River, one of the last great salmon runs on the West Coast. And it's um, in Oregon near a little tribe um, called Siletz, a confederation of tribes to be precise. And so, um, as you were describing this, um, this solid waste, uh, which is like, is this like human organic waste and other solids? Yeah, it sure is. It's coming from two cities, wastewater treatment plants. And so this is an example of environmental racism, you know? That's what these two issues, Sacker Pass and Celets, have, and how my work's getting more specialized is this is environmental racism and environmental genocide. I'm trying to coin a new term because when I got into the environmental movement, I was like all pumped. I was like, yeah, we're going to protect the world. No, we can't. You know why? Because of racism. And these two issues, the environment, and racism are intertwined. And so, you know, we believe out here that with the salmon nations that the salmon is sacred. And we have elders that, that taught us that, Agnes Baker Pilgrim, you know. And she said, be the voice for the voiceless. Speak for those who can't speak. And... <clears throat> Politically, that's a really good strategy when you're talking about trees or salmon or wolves or things that literally can't speak. Um, not so much when applied to human issues, but very good for um, the wildlife conservation kind of thing. And again, they are um, kind of collecting these solid waste materials and claiming that since they are organic matter that has been somewhat processed, that this is a, a worthy fertilizer to be spread onto agricultural fields? Is this um, food for human consumption, for feed, for cows, or what is the food? Do you, are you aware of like what they're producing? I'm not exactly up on that. Um, I usually focus on like, you know, like ethics or something. 
but whether it's hay or whatever it is, um, also that I became aware that the elk are walking through it and that their hooves are now deformed. And there's been, um, yeah, these massive deformations on the hooves of the elk and fish and wildlife or people have sometimes had to respond and uh, put these elk out of their misery because they couldn't couldn't walk correctly anymore. And just FYI for our listeners out there, there is a Facebook page that I got some information off of called Save Our Siletz River. So you could also go to Save Our Siletz River on Facebook. That's um, S-I-L-E-T-Z River, Siletz River, S-I-L-E-T-Z and Save Our Siletz River on Facebook has a lot of information. Um, yeah. Mako, you also um, are basically out there. Um, you're fighting for what you can. One thing that has been um, really precious to you also is the wolf conservation is something that you're passionate about. Uh, we've covered two topics already. How are you feeling about what's going on with um, wolf packs and wolves in um, the Pacific Northwest because talking to you early got uh, earlier got me looking up some of this stuff and I did find a a pretty good timeline on it looks like Oregon7expedition.org wolves in the Pacific Northwest and the website is or7expedition.org and there's a great um, timeline about um, what has happened to the the wolves in the Pacific Northwest um, back to uh, millions of years ago and how they've evolved and what happened to the wolves, including bounties being placed on the wolves um, in the Pacific Northwest until they were um, virtually extinct. There was um, barely some wolves saved and um, they were able to uh, breed some of them and a couple packs have formed and this timeline right now it looks like they kind of wound up um in 2011 and 2012 and briefly i'll read you their 2009 timeline says wolves were removed from the federal list of endangered species in the northern rockies for the first time and federal status as endangered um, continues in california and the western two-thirds of washington and oregon also, um, the Diamond Pact um, was discovered as Washington State's second confirmed pack. That was 2009. And what they write for 2011 and 12 is Washington and Oregon estimate wolf populations of about 30 animals in each state. And Idaho has initiates an aggressive hunting and trapping season, which reduced their state's wolf population by about 50%. So um, we all know the wolves have been the um, the bad guy to cattle ranchers, to farmers, to other people who um, want to protect um, their livestock, which is usually um, an invasive species that has been brought in. Uh, what is your take on what's going on with the wolves in the Pacific Northwest, and what are you doing? Well, all of those activities you just described are colonial activities, and cows are not native, they're invasive. 
you know, for the last decade, I've been working on this issue, actually. Um, an elder told me to get involved, but, you know, so like the first couple of years, I went to the front lines. I went far away from my home again to where the wolves were just coming into Oregon, like the 29, I think they had. Or there was even even before that, when the first wolf pack came to Oregon, I was already there. And they were trying to kill them immediately. The same pattern happened in California. So I noticed there's a pattern. As soon as wolves appear, they want to kill them. But I used to, like, hold the sign and, like, do prayer vigils and stuff. And I did that for, like, a year or something. And then I, I just, I studied more. I got things that improved my political analysis and upped my game. People were asking me, are you being effective? That's a really great question to ask. And so I reflected, uh, there's this woman who did anti-nuclear work and held a sign out in front of a place for 30 years and never got nowhere. So that's when I started taking offices over. I got the Channel 7 news crew and I ran up in that building and I grabbed my drum and I just pounded on my drum like a machine gun, like I was gonna mow everyone in the building down, you know? And my prayers were so powerful, you know? And that's like, that's when everything changed at that moment there. And I see, you know, some other people who have that political approach too, you know, like the, you know, there's a chant on the streets they use sometime. If we don't get it, shut it down. I'm feeling that, you know. And so we're the rightful stewards, you know, from time immemorial. And we're, and we're the caretakers of the land. And so there shouldn't be, you know, all these different orgs and stuff like overshadowing us. I'm from an ancient warrior society older than the United States, essentially what would be police for the tribes. And so people can't, you know, a white organization or something isn't going to tell me rules. I'll tell them rules. You know, we are the indigenous and I believe in indigenous rule. And I, I think people also um, in the United States here after such colonization, feel that they humans are superior to animals. And I know that many um, native populations believe that we are just one of the creatures on the earth that share this planet with the animals. And um, we are supposed to live in a, a harmonious system that respects the life of all other creatures. Um, I, this is uh, Freewell and Franklin here reporting for KPFA radio and I've been speaking with uh, Macau Vio, and he's been bringing us up to date on some of the work that he's been doing out there. And I would just want to give you a brief minute here, Macau, to just let us know um, why it's important to fight for the earth and then give out your, um, your Spirit Runner website one more time. I would say, you know, John Trudell said it well when he said fighting for the earth is a spiritual obligation. So I'll just leave you on that. And um, it's 
www.elahispiritrunners.wordpress.com. Elahi Spirit Runners travelblog.com and find me on Facebook Elahi Spirit Runners on Facebook I'm on YouTube um, under my Dakota name Mato Woksapi M-A-T-O W-O-K S-A-P-E and Thank you, you friend. And can you spell the Elahi Spirit Runners for us one more time? I-L-L-A H-E-E, Elahi. Thank you very much, Macau Vio. We appreciate your time tonight, and keep up the fight out there. Oh, thank you, Frank. Take care. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. And again, another big shout out to my special guest, Mako Vio. Be sure to check out Mako's work on his Facebook page and website at Alahi Spirit Runners. And of course, we will have a link to those sites on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. All the important links and information concerning our show tonight will be found there. And I want to give a final shout out to the Full Circle crew. Our executive producer is Miss M. I, myself, Join Moore, am the production consultant. And Free Will and Franklin is our amazing technical director for this show, Full Circle. Yes, thank you, Joy. And thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, while you're out there, please protect your health and your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA, because up next is... La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.